We need to live a self-sacrificing life, not trying to find favoritism or partiality or somehow being discriminatory because somehow we'll find ourselves in better light to that individual or group of people. This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. Rick presents part three of a 10-part series in the book of James, On the Ground Gospel, and it was shared with the congregation at Spotswood at Ladysmith on Sunday, July 1st, 2018. Good morning, church. Hope you guys are doing well. Happy 4th of July. It's going to be just in a few days. I hope you and your family have some time to get away, time to relax, uh, eat you a steak or a good juicy hamburger, or if you're a vegetarian, I guess a good salad. So um, anyway, uh, I hope you have a great time. You know, um, we're, we're very fortunate, even with all um, America's faults, uh, I still believe it's the greatest uh, country in the world. Uh, I've been to places like North Africa and the Middle East, and I've been to um, former Soviet Union, um, been to Europe, um, been all over, really, in lots of ways. Um, and I will tell you, um, every time I'm away for 10 or more days, I'm very thankful when I get back for the freedoms that we have. So we don't want to take those for granted. If you're here for the first time, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we hope that you felt loved and encouraged when you walked in the door. Uh, we have a, a, a gift for you if you did not take advantage of that. Or maybe you've been before and you didn't take advantage of it then either. Uh, at the bottom of our little bulletin that we have or the little uh, handout that we give you is a little form. If you'll fill that out. Find someone with a blue t-shirt or go around the corner, just right around here. Uh, it's our first time guest table, and we have a gift that we want to give you in there, a little goodie bag that we want to say thank you um, for coming. Um, also, if you're here this morning and you do not have a Bible, please grab a Bible. We have them free. They're right over uh, my, to my right, to your left. Um, go over there, grab one. You can do it right now. I will not be offended at all. Uh, we want to make sure that you understand that as we read and teach out of that we're not making this up, it's right out of God's word, and that's our foundations for living. And so I want to make sure that you know that, and if you don't have a copy, you can go grab one. Or if you have a friend that needs one, you can grab one. We have plenty, and God was gracious uh, through someone to donate those for us, so please grab one. Um, I'm going to be getting into the book of James this morning, James chapter 2, but before I do that, this past week... Uh, we went off to a place called Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters with high school students in some middle, uh, just finished middle school. Um, and we spent the last uh, six days there. It's in a little place called Andrews, North Carolina. It's west of Asheville. It's right on the border of Tennessee. And it is, to me, the best uh, camp I've ever been at. Um, it has the best gospel teaching. It has the best missions emphasis uh, the best rec, recreation, um, and best worship I've ever been around as far as a camp. Usually, uh, you usually go to a camp that's maybe a lot of fun, but very watered down teaching and not strong on discipleship, or you go to a, a camp that is strong in teaching, but for some reason, uh, fun is a sin, and so there's no fun involved. And so uh, we do both, and it, it's, it was really, I think, life-changing for many of our students. In fact, we're going to have a, a testimony at the end, right after our offertory. I wanted a young lady to share her experience and what God is doing in her life through that camp and through um, the different things that are going on here in our church. So um, also... Um, with that, I have a picture I want to show you. All right, so it's, it's not the best. It's, it's taking my phone. It's at night. But there's two guys. I'm the little guy um, in between. 
Uh, the guy on my right, your left, is a guy named um, uh, Josh Vickers. And he grew up in our high school ministry. Uh, I was the high school pastor at Spotswood uh, Fredericksburg for 12 years. And so he grew up and he went to Snowbird. And then after he went, he went off to school to George Mason for a year. And he realized God wanted him to be a counselor um, at that um, camp for the summer. So he went after his freshman year. And then God moved in such a way that he ended up staying for a year and doing an internship. And they have an internship program there where they pour into you discipleship. And they teach you uh, God's word and really focus on missions. So he actually got to go on a missions trip as well as a part of that. And uh, as I was talking to him, we were talking about 30 minutes or so the first day. And I was just, just, just really kind of like beaming like a, a proud papa. Uh, this kid came through our student ministry and just seeing him following Jesus and all on fire for the Lord. And then I asked him, hey, who, who was it that kind of poured into you this past year? And um, as we're talking, he said, well, the guy, Sean, was over me. But really, it's this guy uh, named James Weibel. Uh, that uh, poured into me and discipled me throughout this year. And what's funny is the guy on uh, my left, your right, I've known since he's about eight years old. Um, and I was his Awana leader over 20 years ago in Awana at a church in Lynchburg and memorized verses with him throughout the year. Um, and so it's cool to see um, God just gives you those glimpses sometimes of what he's really doing in the big picture. And you just have to be a little sliver of the pie sometimes, or a little part of that. And I just think it was cool to see that come full circle where a young man that I poured into 20 years ago as an Awana leader now is coming full circle. He's on staff at, at SWO, and he's pouring into the next generation. So I just wanted to share that. That was a highlight for me this past week, and I wanted to encourage you. You never know the people that you're investing in now or maybe in the past, how that will come full circle and they may be an influence on one of your kids or grandkids or somehow a special person in your life uh, for the glory of God. So be encouraged there. Let me pray, and then we're going to get right into God's Word this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, for this time, about opportunity to teach, to, to focus on your Word. And God, I, I'm thankful that your Word promises that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it'll, it'll go, and the Bible says that it will separate bone from air. In other words, it will separate from the intents and desires of the heart. And as uh, the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached and it said, the word pierced their hearts. Um, God, I pray that today your word will pierce our hearts. And God, every time I read it, I'm always thinking about what needs to change, what needs to happen. And so, Father, I pray that it'll go deeply rooted in our hearts and minds today, and it'll give forth fruit. God, it will not be stolen by the enemy. It will not um, spring up quickly and burn out from the sun. It will not fall among weeds, but it'll fall on fertile ground and take fruit, Father. Father, we love you, and we thank you for our time this morning. In Jesus' name. Um, as you know, just three weeks ago, we started our series on James. This is our summer series. And I want to review a little bit on uh, James. Uh, I want to remind you that James um, was written to the 12 tribes or scattered tribes. In other words, it was written to the Jewish believers, but it wasn't written to a specific church. It's more of a kind of general 101 of of, of Christian faith and things to remember. And really what he did was James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, 
um, took really a summary of several things that Jesus did. Really more of the Sermon on the Mount and that overall picture of what that looks like. You'll see if you read the Sermon on uh, in the Mount in Matthew and read through the book of James, you see a lot of parallels and a lot of crossover uh, the way uh, he's bringing that out. And also the book of Proverbs, just reading uh, through the book of Proverbs ended up this month as I was reading this past week and praying through the book uh, of Proverbs. I noticed all these things about the poor and about the rich, and I thought, wow, okay, this sounds just like a lot like James and, and some of the teachings that he had. So understand that that uh, is a big uh, part of what James is trying to communicate here. The second thing I want you to understand is this, that when he talks about true religion, I know that, again, that word um, sometimes has a neg- negative uh, um, meaning here in our day and time. And it, it can be because of people being self-righteous and somehow thinking that uh, they have arrived and looking down upon people. But when he's talking about true religion, what he's really talking about is true faith. He's talking about the gospel. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. So remind you that when he talks about that, don't think about religious terms in the way the world thinks about it today. Think about true faith. And it really is a summary of about 12 major teachings, and it's pushing uh, us toward devotion toward God. And so we'll be hitting on some of those today. Um, Two weeks ago, I talked about this big idea of God testing our authenticity of our faith by trials. He uses it uh, much like um, gold. Uh, When it's refined, the impurities are brought up. And, and swept away, and then you're left with this pure gold. And, and I reminded us that as Jesus followers, we need to view trials as a pathway uh, that produces maturity and durability. And also, trials show to us as a reminder that we need to be desperate for God's help. We cannot do this life uh, by ourselves. And within that, we have two battles. And the battle in trials is the ba- battle to doubt to somehow give up on God, to to believe that he's not for us. And the other one is to compare. Somehow we we talked about how social media adds to this, but comparing um, our life to others and that covenant attitude kind of always thinking that others have a lot better life. They've got more money. Their, their, their kids are better well-behaved. Their marriage is better. Uh, they have a nicer house, nicer car, whatever that is. In the end, that's not the goal as a Christian, but that's the things you can fall into, the traps of those things. And then last week, we talked about this. Since we have new birth in Christ, we as a family don't just say what we believe, but we actually live out in real life as well. And I talked about in our, in our pursuit of living out what we say we believe, that there's, there has to be a, a real battle plan. And I kind of covered these five um, F words, uh, not the F word, the five words. Uh, and, and it's fight, okay? In Ephesians 6, we talked about how we need to pull on the full armor of God. This is something that we have to do daily, um, the fight against the enemy. Uh, we have to follow, James 4, 7, and 8 talks about us submitting to God. And as we submit to God and resist the devil, the Bible says that uh, he must flee. And as we draw near to God and we cleanse our hands, a daily repentance, a daily coming to God in prayer and his word, um, God, he purifies our hearts. 
Okay? And then flee. And I talked about Romans 13, where we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh or the glands, if you will. Um, and I said, there's two things that God uh, always commands us to flee, and that's honeys and monies. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I reminded that there's sometimes we just have to run. We can't put ourselves in uh, those environments. Um, I will not... Um, put myself in a situation where even like when uh, in the summer we have interns, we have to travel, I'll put a guy out front and a girl in the back. And it's not because uh, that's somehow male chauvinistic, but if I were to ride down the road and someone to see me and see some young lady in the front seat, doesn't see the gentleman in the back. And I don't think in the end that's protecting my marriage and protecting my family. So those are kind of things that uh, we need to make sure that we um, are aware of. The, the other one is fellowship. And we talked about how we're made to do this life in community and how we're to walk together. There's 59 or 60, one to another is in scripture. So uh, Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. Doesn't mean we don't have friends that are unsaved, people that we're not trying to reach, but we need to have a core people around us that are sharpening us. And then the fifth one is feed, how we need to daily feed our spirit. We need to daily feed on the word of God. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And the Bible says when you hidden your, the word of God in your heart, it'll keep you from offending God. It'll keep you on the right path. Uh, so important. Now, one of the things you need to be aware of as we go through the book of James, and I want to remind you of, is there's, this is an in-your-face gospel. This is an in-your-face book. Um, and um, remember, um, if you hear, we have to be true to the Word of God. As you hear those tough words sometimes, uh, God, through His Spirit and through His Word, are, are stepping on my toes before He steps on your toes as you hear it. So realize that. Also realize that if we view it just as a rules and regular a regulation book, we're going to miss it. And we're going to become somehow as building ladders or somehow becoming self-righteous. That's not the goal. This can only happen through a personal relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't just a good moral teacher. He was God himself. He's the only one that can forgive your sins and make you in right relationship with the Lord. So if you're trying to do this apart from God, um, there's, a, there's a popular thing that's become in our society. It's called uh, uh, therapeutic moralism deism, meaning that they, people believe that there's a God, but we just need to follow a certain amount of philosophies or good teachings, and I'll be good. But understanding this, this can only happen when James talks about these things. It can only happen through a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay? So you've got to have a relationship with Jesus to understand that's the only way these things can happen. Um, one of the things that James talks about over and over is many times he's warning us or he's saying, be careful, don't deceive yourselves. Now, I want you to view anybody here who grew up with a, uh, a decent earthly father understands that just like when, when I'm having conversations with my girls, if there's a warning about something, it's a personal invite to something better. See what I mean? It's not just uh, thou shalt not, but it's understanding that when he warns us in Scripture and, and God is saying, be careful, uh, don't be deceived, he's inviting us to a better way of living. Okay? So I want you to understand when you hear that in the text today, that's what it's meaning. 
In fact, um, I know many people who have, who have uh, come through cancer and battled cancer. I know some who have lost their life to cancer. But uh, it, the Word of God, to me, in some ways, is like a scan. Okay? It's, um, it, imagine you being diagnosed with cancer, and then you go through all the things that took place to battle cancer, and then you're cancer-free, and then you have to go back every six months and get a scan, right? And that scan is going to tell us one of two things. It's going to tell us everything's looking great, okay? Or something doesn't look right. Let's figure out a battle plan, and let's go after it, all right? Well, to me, the Word of God and as you listen to the words of God this morning, and I want you to realize that there may be times where in the word of God, there's going to be times, yes, okay, I'm doing good in this area. But then there's other areas that we need to form a plan of attack because this is not going well at all. This is a place of disease, and it's going to eventually take your whole body over and your life over if you're not careful. So uh, as we read God's word, I want you to think about things like that as we read James 1, or James chapter 2, verse 1, and the first 13 verses, and let's read through that and get into it today. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothes and says, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over here or you sit at my feet, have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Are not the rich the ones who oppose you and the ones who drag you in the court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point becomes accountable of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. My big idea this morning is this. As Jesus followers, we need to recognize that showing favoritism or partiality is an enemy of the gospel. Okay? If we in any way in our life show partiality or favoritism, okay, we are going against what the gospel is proclaiming. See, we have to be honest, though, that all of us connect with certain people better than others, right? If I go around this room, there's going to be certain individuals that I just know that I connect better well with. 
It could be based on personality. I don't know if you guys have ever taken a temperance analysis test. Uh, the ones that are probably famous are like the DISC personality profile. Um, uh, D stands for dominant. Um, I is influencer. S is uh, secretive, I think. I can't remember. And then C is like control. Uh, I'm a hot D, if you didn't know that. Um, I, I'm a triple A personality. I usually uh, speak first and think later, and I kind of take the bull by the horns, and that's, that's my personality. Uh, that doesn't mean that it, um, the Holy Spirit doesn't give me self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to tailor that and to tweak that to, to make it more like Christ, but that's my personality. And so there's going to be certain personalities in this room that I get uh, along with better, just like you uh, are going to get along better with certain personalities and certain affinities. Maybe I'm a bow hunter, so I like to talk about bow hunting or, or fishing or something outdoors involved in that. Um, so those will be things that I naturally um, are drawn to. The, and there's going to be things that personality-wise... I won't quite connect with with certain people and the same as with you. And in some ways, they can almost fall into the category of dislikes. The problem is when those dislikes become discriminatory, it becomes sinful. And this is where we've got to be on guard. See, if you look at most of the world, most of the world set up um, outside of the United States and, and even some, in some ways within the United States is set up almost like on a caste system. If you know anything about a caste system, uh, places like India and Indonesia and places like that, or even uh, places in the far, far east and, and, um, and maybe even in, in places like uh, Russia or other places, um, you, whatever you're born into, okay, that's where you stay. And when your state of whatever state you're in, it becomes your status, okay? And what happens is that's where the world assigns value or worth to you. Now, that can happen here as, in, as well in America. And what happens is we take a state of what we're in and we assign a status to that. And that status becomes our value. And listen, we can even do it within ourselves as Christians. We can get, a, get wrapped up into the fact that if we live in a certain home, we drive a certain car, we have a certain income, that this is what gives us value. But let me describe what really partiality is, or what favoritism is, or really discrimination is. It's when we withhold or give love, affection, hospitality, friendship, mercy, kindness, or service to people based on their external appearance. The way we as Christians treat others isn't determined by their economic status, their age, their clothing, their weight, their gender, their skin color, or even their attractiveness, okay? And when they fall in these categories and we treat people differently because of that, we are going against the gospel. So don't show partiality. Don't do it. We must fight everything within us. Sometimes our hearts are pulling toward it and we want to somehow justify it but it is against the gospel. So that's what, what it is. That's what partiality is. That's what favoritism is. That's what discriminatory uh, attitude is. But why? Why do we not fall into that? Let me give you four reasons why um, we don't fall into that attitude and that way of living. The first one is this. Favoritism or partiality is against the character 
of a Christian. This gets a very character of Christian. See, the Bible says when uh, he saved you, he put his spirit in your heart as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrong. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always perseveres. Love never fails. See? So when the Spirit of God comes to live in you, and you begin to fall into the trap of favoritism or partiality, you're literally going against the very character of the Spirit of the living God who's put in you. Uh, Tim Keller describes it like this. Tim Keller weighs on this issue uh, it's such a big deal when you, fall, when you fail to lack the love for your neighbor, especially the poor and the vulnerable. As we talked about last week, the widows, the widowers, and the orphans. Tim, pastor of a church in Manhattan, Redeemer Presbyterian, here's what he says in his book, Gospel in Life. A merely religious person who believes Jesus will favor him because of his morality and respectability will ordinarily have contempt for the outcast. I worked hard to get where I am, and so can anyone else. That is the language of the moralistic heart. I am only where I am by the sheer and unmerited mercy of God. I am completely equal with all other people. That is the language of the Christian heart. A sensitive social consciousness and a life poured out in deeds of the mercy to the needy is an inevitable sign of a person who grasps the doctrine of God's grace. See, we need to understand that it's only because of God's grace that we have anything. Listen, if God owns it all, right? We learned last week in the first chapter, James, that all good things come from God, the Father of lights, right? He owns it all. Then how can we brag about anything that we have. God is the giver of all good things. So we need to understand we fall in trap of falling on favorites and discriminatory attitude or mindset or actions. We're going to very, against the very character of who we say we are as Christians. Second thing I wanted you to write down, and by the way, if you don't write things down, I remind you, uh, you will forget 80% of those things you don't write down. So just encouragement there. We have journals in the back. If you want to grab those, you can, and you can write and fill those up full of notes, and those are free of charge as well. So second thing I wanted you to write down is this. Favoritism is against the very character of God. It's against the very character of God. Verse 4 through 6 says this. Have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become the judges with evil thoughts? Listen. My beloved brothers, has not God chosen the poor who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich who oppress you the ones who drag you into court? Listen, James is reminding us of this, that when we show favoritism, we're literally going against the character of God. See, 
in this is not promoting that some would say there's a, a, a wrong doctrine called liber, uh, liberation theology that somehow God prefers the poor over the rich. And that's not true. What, what he's saying is here is that we, we don't elevate one or the other. We don't elevate the rich and we don't elevate the poor. The poor need more assistance at times. Uh, but he's saying here that the poor in many times have been given greater faith because they understand like a farmer who's desperate need of the rain and the sunshine and for, for God to do the work, the poor in desperate need and see that God um, is a giver of all good things. And when they turn to him, that he increases their faith. In fact, this is a reminder of 1 Corinthians 1. And verses 26 to 31 says this, For consider your calling, listen, not a calling to, to be a preacher or evangelist, but a calling of faith, a calling to be a Christian. Consider your calling, brothers, not many of you who were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame, I'm sorry, to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing, nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one boast, and if they boast, boast in the Lord. See, we need to understand that if all good things come from heaven and all good things come from God, who's the father of lights, why are we trying to position ourselves in favor for those who can give us an advantage somehow? And this is what James is saying. Why are we buddying up to somebody that we think somehow we can scratch their back and they'll scratch ours if God's the giver of all good things? Jesus even said he put no faith in man. He's no respecter of person because he knows what's in the heart of each individual. It doesn't mean that we can't have close friends. We talked about that. We have to have community. But are we buddying up for people just to get something back in return? Are we loving with a pure love the way God loves and the way he would live out his life, regardless if we get anything in return? And so this is the kind of life that we need to live. We need to live a self-sacrificing life, not trying to find favoritism or partiality or somehow being discriminatory because somehow we'll find ourselves in better light to that individual or a group of people. The third thing I want you to write down is this. Favoritism is against the character of the kingdom of God. In verse 6 and 7, it says this, um, But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich, the Lord who, opposed, um, who oppressed you, the ones who dragged you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Do you understand in Acts 11, um, they said, they were called Christians for the first time in Acts 11. And did you know that was actually a slur? Like they were, that was a mockery. And now it's a term of endearment to call yourself a Christian. If you're a follower of Christ, it meant many Christ. But then it was a, a little slight. It was a, it was a slander toward those who had, had faith. And this is what James is reminding that the rich, the, the religious, and to be religious then, or especially someone in leadership, he had to be wealthy. We're, James is saying, you, you guys are going after them, giving them the best seats in the synagogue. Understand that these are the same people that are blaspheming and calling you out, uh, bad-mouthing you. And he goes on to say how 
And the poor, you'll put them at your feet. And if you don't understand Middle, middle uh, Eastern uh, customs, that to show somebody the bottom of your feet was an offense, okay? So we didn't just elevate the poor, but we actually put down, I mean, we didn't just elevate the rich, but we put down the poor here. And so you need to understand, it wasn't just an elevating of the rich, but it was actually being discriminatory to those who are less fortunate, in some form or fashion. It's funny that um, we fall into these traps, even, even as believers. Uh, there's a, you, you probably heard the term, but maybe not know where it comes from. There's a thing called the Stockholm Syndrome. And what it goes back to is that uh, Stockholm, Sweden, in 1973, there was a bank robber, and it was a failed, failed bank robbery, but he ended up holding hostages um, in the, the safe for like six days. And uh, he, he tortured them, and then finally they were able to rescue them. But uh, what, what came out of that is that the, literally the, the people that were tortured would not actually uh, somehow speak against him, would not testify against that person in court. And how many times in our life, the people that are abusing us, we stick up for. And how James is reminding us of that if someone is in this position, we need to speak out, okay? And we need to make sure that we don't fall into that trap that somehow we're elevating someone who's actually an abuser. Um, we need to bring that person first to faith in Jesus. And if they are in faith in Jesus, we need to bring them to repentance, right? So we need to understand God does not like favoritism because favoritism is against the very character and nature of the kingdom of God. Understanding the kingdom of God is for everybody. And that the kingdom of God, the Bible says, really that at the foot of the cross, all ground is level. Understanding no matter where your background is, what your upbringing, where you're from, what, what you've been through, what something's been done to you, whatever the situation is, the ground at the cross is level, and the gospel's for all, and that we're all desperately in need of forgiveness. Some of you may be raised in the church, and that's great. He saved you from near, but guess what? Your dark heart still needed to be saved. Some of us have been saved out of a lifestyle that was opposite, opposing to God. That was me. Even though I grew up in the church, I rebelled, and for years I ran. And then he's saying, no matter where you're at, understanding that the gospel is for all. And when we show favoritism, it's in the very face of the gospel. The fourth thing I want you to know is this. Favoritism or partiality is against the character of the royal law. Listen, when he says to keep, he says in verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You need to understand when, when James is writing this, he's really talking about the, the, the great commandments where Jesus was quizzed in Matthew 22 by some religious leaders and said, hey, what's the greatest law of all the laws, the Ten Commandments, all the 600 laws um, of the laws that were given in, 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 the, in Judaism? What is the greatest? And he says, easy. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. In other words, all the laws, 
Everything is summarized. If you will, all the laws are on a picture frame. It can be hung on those two nails. Love God, love your neighbor. Those are the two. And this is what James is reminding us of. That when we um, show favoritism, when we show partiality, we are not loving God and we are definitely not loving our neighbor as ourself. Think about that. And if you you're, find yourself in a position where you're poor or in need of something, don't you want someone to help you, right? Don't you want to have somebody that could help you and to be put in a better position? Well, this is what James is reminding us of is this, that when we show favoritism, when we show partiality, we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves. And it goes on even deeper than that because James, I mean, when Jesus talked about this keeping the commandments, he said, whoever loves me will keep my commandments, right? But he always even took it past the actions, but the thoughts. He said, if a, if a person thinks lustfully toward a person, they've committed adultery. If they have anger in their heart towards someone, right? They've committed murder. So how do we keep that? How do, how do we keep that? It's impossible. Again, it goes back to our personal relationship with Jesus. The only way that you can do this is through a relationship with Jesus. And even with that, God does not expect perfection. It's called progress, right? Sanctification. And so in other words, this, as we, as we read in verse 13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Understand, God's mercy covers your sin. It covers all your failures, okay? It triumphs over judgment, okay? So understanding this, that many times we focus on the outside. Uh, Prophet Samuel did this when he went to anoint the new king, 1 Samuel 16, 7. God reminded him, don't look at the outward appearance. Look, I, you guys look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. I'm looking at the heart. And this is what God is saying to us today. He's, he's pulling back. And, and, and we, we show favoritism. What we're really saying is there's parts of our dark, parts of our heart that are dark, that are not right. See, there's a, a beautiful parable in Matthew 18. And that's the, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Now, I don't have time to read that this morning, but I'm going to paraphrase it really quick for you. Is this. What you have is a, a great king who had the wealth, really it seems like the world's wealth, um, beyond belief. And he started collecting his debts and he brought in a servant. Now a servant, he wasn't a king, he wasn't a prince, he was a servant. So think about it. He was probably a, a maybe a um, you know, minimum wage a worker or maybe a little bit higher. And when you do the math, it says that he, he, he let him borrow a certain amount of money. And you do the math, in today's terms, it would be about $6 billion. Now, it would take a guy working minimum wage and saving 10% each year, he would have to work for about 400 years to repay that. So in other words, there was no chance of this guy ever repaying it, okay? And he says, hey, I'm going to put you in jail. And, and the guy begged him and fell down on his face and said, God, have mercy on me. You know, I mean, uh, a king, have mercy on me. Don't, don't throw me in prison. And so he, he had mercy on him, and he forgave him, and he sent him out. Okay. Then he started going through his books, 
and found a servant that owed him, okay? And today's wages would be a few thousand dollars, maybe a, a month's pay, right? And he put him in jail. Same guy cried out, for, or the, a different guy cried out for mercy to him, and he rejected that mercy. Think about that. Something that could be actually paid, paid back, he would not forgive, and he was forgiven something that could never be paid back. That's a picture of the gospel, guys. There's something we can never pay for. We can never earn. We can never be good enough. God has paid for us. And what it sees, when the king heard about it, he brought back that servant and said, you wicked servant. And not only did he put him, he put him and his whole family in prison. Okay? Because you know why? In the end, it wasn't about the fact that he didn't forgive. It was about the fact that he didn't understand mercy, right? In other words, he could say that he experienced mercy, but he really hadn't. When you experience the mercy and the forgiveness and the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. You have no issues. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying when it comes back around, you may struggle for a moment, you may even struggle for a day or two, but it comes back to forgiving and giving mercy to others. It has to be done. We have to remember that God in his great mercy forgave us. Mercy that comes into me and my heart and the gospel is the same mercy that has to flow out from me to others. That is the gospel. Listen, I want to read this to you. Faith without mercy toward others is not genuine faith. It's not really faith at all. So if you're saying, I have faith, I trust in Jesus, and I trust in his forgiveness, and I trust in his mercy, yet you refuse to extend that to anyone else, it reveals something broken in your heart. You don't quite get it. We need to understand that God has extended his mercy to us, and we need to extend it to others. That is the gospel. And this is what James is reminding us. And when we show partiality, and we show favoritism, and we're discriminatory based on someone's appearance, or their outward skin color, or their weight, or their clothing, or their age, or their attractiveness, that's exactly what we're doing. We're opposing the gospel. And it must change. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Lead Pastor Rick Nicely will conclude his sermon with the big question coming up. Spotswood at Ladysmith exists to glorify God by advancing His kingdom through obedience to His Great Commission. To know more, to find resources, and to interact with us, please visit our website, spotswoodls.org. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram, SpotswoodLS. Now here's Rick with a conclusion to this week's sermon. I believe if you experience the gospel, that we will allow mercy and forgiveness to flow out of our hearts because of the experience that we've had with Jesus. So I'm going to challenge you this morning, this big question as we close. Are you extending mercy to others just as you need mercy? Is that mercy that you desperately need, are you extending it to others? Like I said, it's not easy at times. But, but the reality is this. When the gospel comes into your life 
and it transforms you from the inside out. And when God begins to work that gospel in your life, you can't help but to forgive because of the great debt he has forgiven you. So I want to challenge you this morning. If there's anyone here this morning, one that doesn't know Jesus, has not experienced the forgiveness, doesn't understand this mercy, I would love to share with you how that could work. We'll have others up front that would love to share that. Or maybe this morning, you need to spend time alone. It can be in your seat. It can be up here. And we just need to ask God to allow me to forgive. Allow me to extend mercy. Don't let me be like the unforgiving servant. Or maybe this morning, you just need to be obedient and you need to come be a part of who we are or maybe uh, follow through with believers baptism whatever God is doing in your heart this morning I want to encourage you to be obedient don't suppress it don't push it aside don't quench it let God do that work and trust him see the thing about forgiveness is you've got to trust I mean in the end God's going to settle all accounts I promise you okay he's going to take care of that but when we forgive, we extend mercy, we're giving up the right to get back. Have you done that this morning? Have you extended mercy to others? Will you stand? We're going to pray and ask God to do what only he can do. Father, thank you, and he- thank you so much for being a good and gracious God who loves mercy. God, you're a just God. That's why your son came. He died. He took the punishment for sin. He took the death that we deserve. Bore the weight of our sin, the ugliness of it. So you can give us mercy. So you can redeem us. So you can buy us back. Now we're sons, daughters. We're adopted heirs. Thank you for that love. Thank you for that mercy and grace. God, would you do what only you can do? And that's to change hearts and lives forever. In Jesus' name. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. Rick presented part three of a 10-part series in the book of James, On the Ground Gospel, and it was shared with the congregation at Spotswood at Ladysmith on Sunday, July 1st, 2018. These podcasts are available weekly on iTunes and Google Play. You can also find the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to spotswoodls.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.